0: Hey everyone, I'm your host, Wesley Tran, and welcome to Recovering Travel Junkie, a podcast where we'll be discussing how traveling has impacted a person's personal growth and purpose, and we'll be diving deeper to understanding the world's different human beings. to Recovering Travel Junkie. Today, we have a very special friend of mine. He is the founder of the Top Marketers. He's the king of social media and has 4.1 million views on one TikTok video. And he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu enthusiast. He's my dear friend, Riley Logston. Welcome.
1: Hey Wesley, thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, so glad you get to be my first guest on this podcast. And Riley, I want to ask this question to every person I interview. Do you remember where we first met?
1: Hmm. <laughs> Put me on the spot. <laughs> where we first met. That's um, why I want to keep the
0: questions a secret.
1: I actually do remember where, or where I think we first met was yeah, I don't. sophomore <laughs> year. Yeah. Sophomore yeah. year of college. You were Billy's roommate, and I met you through him.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And so for the listeners, for some reason, I don't remember meeting him sophomore year. I remember meeting him junior year in the library with our friends Hayden and Dre. And that was my first memory of him. For some reason, it's not clicking for me Mm -hmm. of my sophomore year memories. Guess I'm not that memorable. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good, though. I want to ask you what place has impacted you the most. So I know you're born and raised in San Diego, but you've also traveled around to places like Hawaii, around the Caribbean, and possibly other places that I haven't found out yet. So what would you say is the place that has just impacted you the most?
1: Um, that's a tough one. As far as it's, if- traveling goes, I've been impacted by lots of places. I've Since I was five years old, I've been traveling all over the world. And so I've been to Australia, New Zealand, uh, the Caribbean Islands, um, to uh, St. Thomas, Grand Cayman, um, Hawaii multiple times. And, uh, they all these different places they impact you in a different way, um, and that's why I, I love traveling so much because you can really immerse yourself in the culture and kind of understand people's aspects on life and what and why they're so different. Um, if I had to pick one, it it would probably be one of the
0: South American countries. Um, either so what South American countries have you visited? Uh, Mexico to um
1: costa rica and maybe those are the only two south american countries i've been to um but a lot of the cultures down there are very are kind of similar and so uh dominican republic for instance was was pretty similar to uh costa rica as far as culture goes um they're both spanish-speaking countries and they have a lot of things in their culture that are very similar for instance dancing is a big part of different cultures that we have kind of lost in the united states uh, oh for it's, sure it, it, it's so huge in other countries and so that's that's awesome and, and they're always having a great time it, it seems like in third world countries a lot of times they're a lot happier than people in the united states are with a lot less which is kind of mind-blowing when you think about it that everybody in the United States has so much more and they're so much stressed out and and anxious and depressed over these things and it's like, these Mm -hmm. people that have so much less are enjoying life so much more. And so it kind of boosts curiosity, what is it? And I mean, I think one of the things that I've learned from traveling so many countries that has really changed the way I look at life is just to have a sense of gratitude with everything. And I try to look Mm -hmm. at life where where can i be more grateful in all different aspects of life and it just changes everything I, I mean every decision you make then becomes not about the the end result but kind of um gratis you come back to gratitude and so mm-hmm. um yeah I, I would say that's that's the biggest thing i've learned is just to be grateful for all the little things you have and mm-hmm. that'll that'll change your state. You'll be so grateful for everything. And when you approach everything with that grateful attitude, then there's no depression. There's no anxiety because you're just, you're in a state of gratefulness. You can't mm-hmm. be super grateful and anxious or super grateful and depressed at the same time, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so gratitude and let's say, do you think it's also because of the slower pace of life in these central slash Southern American cultures? that adds yeah,
1: to it. it? It definitely could. Um, there, the pace of life is slower as well, which is just, in the United States, there is so much anxiety because of the pace. Everything has to be done For now, sure. now, now. Or in the next, business, next, business. next. Yep. And so there's there's not really a break. Whereas countries, I, I mean, there's so many things embedded into their culture that I I think really kind of get rid of this anxiety as well that we kind of lost in the United States. Um, I touched on one earlier, which is celebration, all that. Another mm-hmm. big one is just eating, eating most Americans, they'll microwave really? their food and then they'll go sit down and, and watch TV or watch those meat. They're, they're separated. You know, they're just eating, eating to eat. Mm-hmm. Where these other cultures they eat, um, and then and, and meet, with everybody, they're eating with their family. They're eating with friends. They, they, they don't have phones or TVs distracting them. You know, they're there to communicate with each other and, and build relationships. And I feel like yeah. social media is a big thing that has kind of pushed us away from from that whole experience where everybody is looking for approval on social media instead of I, I mean, instead of being social in person, they're trying to be social through this app. And I think it that. A huge thing that leads to all this anxiety and depression because your whole the whole reason you're on the app is just how many likes can I get? How many follows can I get? Do these people approve what I'm saying? You'll get people hating on your stuff and it will put you in a depressed mood which is like mm-hmm. you shouldn't give a crap about what other people say anyways on there. And mm-hmm. so I mean I think that's a big thing in third world countries as well that they're just everything around their culture is kind of embedded into like family, spend time time with friends. They value that so much more than
0: Mm. I've
1: seen in the
0: States. Wow. And so as the king of social media, as someone who does social media full-time professionally, how do you find that balance of just not consuming all the comparison, but at the same time letting go of that to find the socialization of people?
1: Yeah, good question. That's actually something, um, I think about a lot and it, it really is a balance. Um, uh, this big balance between how can this benefit me and, and, and how is it hurting me? And so, I mean, you're either a consumer of the content or you're a creator of the content. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, everybody should strive to be a creator of the content, you know? Um, and instead of just consuming, 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 in my opinion, it's a waste of time, even though I how I make a living. Um, but there, there's definitely a balance. And personally, it's, it's a discipline. I'll get stuck looking for an idea of, of content that I should be posting. And I'll get stuck scrolling through for an hour and I'll get distracted because the creators behind these apps sat in the boardroom together saying, how can we make the user stay on our platform the longest. How can we get their use site deep psychology? They got spent millions of dollars using deep psychology. How do we get people with these flashing lights and with the words and with the algorithm, what we show them? How do we get them to stay on our platform the longest? Because the longer they're on here, the more money we make. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy to get stuff on there because literally the smartest minds in the world We've got in a room together. And the whole goal is how do we get somebody to stay on here the longest? And so it, it's really, it's a hard balance. And I mean, every once in a while, I, just, I have to get rid of them and do no social media for a week if, if I'm wasting too much time. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really is, it's a discipline. And it, it's hard to, to get off of it, you know? Where I, and I mean, mm-hmm. our minds are, are craving that dopamine. And every time we get a like, we get them a dopamine rush. It's mm-hmm. addictive. It's like when like pulling a slot machine and flashing lights and you win money. You want it. You want to do it again. You know.
0: Mhm. Yeah, that's happening so much in this quarantine era too, with all these people binging Tiger King. <laughs> it's definitely like a coping mechanism to run away from their feelings or their thoughts, and like I fall victim to this, of course, too. But I. I'm definitely self-aware of it happening and try to stay away from it. And so I'll yeah. actually like turn my phone off just so I can interact with the people in my house. Just so it's away from me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Riley, yeah. you have one distinct quality that separates you from everyone else I have in mind about traveling, which is your rescue diver. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the awesomest places you've dove in, and what being a rescue diver entails.
1: Yeah, so I'm a PADI certified rescue diver. I got certified when I was 12 years old because wow. my dad actually uh, scoped was scuba diving before that. And uh, when I was 12 years old, he, 12 years old, he finally convinced me to go and try it out. And uh, I was pretty freaked out first time I did it. I did it in the pool, and I was like, I don't want to do this. Like. It freaked me out. It's the whole idea of breathing underwater. Uh, but I finally got over that and decided that I was going to get certified. And so I decided to get certified, went through all the training, and then I became a paddy certified rescue diver um, after probably about a year of, of doing different trainings. Because you start as an open water diver and then you go advanced, and then you can go ahead and get rescue diver certification. And <laughs> I ended up getting that because you travel so much and I wanted to start diving to all these amazing places. And it, it really is a whole different world going back to social media and and everything, just distractions in your life. When you're underwater, I mean, you don't have any distractions. And so it's really a form of meditation when you're under there and you're just like seeing God's creation. And it's wow. amazing. It's a It's a whole different world down there. You're just... It's, it's You're literally in a different world. And so it's one of the most peaceful things you could do. Mm. And I didn't realize that until I started doing it. I always thought it would be like a thrill-seeking, like a skydiving, kind of adrenaline going and everything. But it's really mm-hmm. not. You're, you're floating at neutral buoyancy, which is essentially you breathe in, you float up, you breathe down, or you breathe out and you float down. Wow. Zero, zero gravity, essentially, with your buoyancy control device. And so you think about floating in, in space, especially in the warmer waters. You're literally floating around space in warm water. Just no distractions. You can hear the water. It's, it's one of the most peaceful things you can do. And it truly is an, It's amazing. I mean, I fell in love the first time I went underwater and dove. I fell in love with it. And I was like, this is something I'm going to be doing a lot. Um, it's a total blast. I would recommend everybody does it. The fish you see are super pretty and and all the coral and how much you actually learn about the ocean. It's pretty amazing.
0: Wow. And speaking of being peaceful, I remember you showed me that picture and that video of you one time just being surrounded by sharks. And so you want to explain that?
1: Yeah, that one was uh, a little more scary to jump in the water. When there's 50 sharks, you jump out of the boat into this uh, swarm of sharks kind of thinking, is this this stupid to to jump in the water with all these sharks when they're going to feed them right there? But uh, I decided to do it. Um, I always try to make myself uncomfortable in some way. And every time I feel like I I put myself in a position where I'm uncomfortable, the outcome is a lot better than the fear ever was. Mm. So uh, yeah, I ended up jumping in the water with those. I was hanging out with them. It's hanging out with dolphins with with sharp sharp teeth. It's like Mm -hmm. hanging out with dogs, dogs above water. You really learn to fall in love with these creatures that are are portrayed as as such dangerous animals when when they're really not. Wow. Yeah, they're just minding their own business. and uh, I mean, they're just another creature that people have this fear of, which is very unfortunate because if people have that experience with them, I think they'll really change their mind. The idea that they have in their head of what a shark actually is.
0: So how did you overcome this fear of jumping into this pool of sharks? Was it like a bunch of small leaps of faith that you gradually built up to this bigger leap? Or was it a huge leap of faith into this pit of sharks? Uh,
1: yeah, that's a good question. Everything's a habit. And so the more you do something, the more you stack those habits, the easier it becomes. And so if you keep making yourself uncomfortable, uncomfortable, uncomfortable over time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you dive with sharks, you, you surf when you're afraid of the ocean or afraid of waves, you um, go skydiving when you're, uh, when you're afraid of, of heights. Then mm-hmm. it, it becomes easier to, to do the things because you see the out of getting, taking that fear away from you and essentially telling your subconscious I'm unstoppable I will not let anything stop me. If all these fears are just in my head, then you'll be able to move forward from those and and really get a better perspective on life, you know? And you really understand that those fears were just things that were holding you back. When I first started the company, I mean I was super fearful of trying to sell anything to anybody, you know? But then after sales meeting, sales meeting, sales meeting, selling these companies. Now I'm not afraid to go and pitch a million dollar deal to somebody. And so it's it's really just the the habit stacking, you know, and then building that, that confidence over time. And so, uh, yeah, it it was, it was a thing, but I feel like eventually you keep putting yourself out of your comfort zone and it
0: becomes easier. Mm, That's awesome. And so back to rescue diving, what does the rescue part entail?
1: So yeah, patty has different certifications. The first one's open water, which means you can dive to 60 feet and that's your mm-hmm. maximum. Then you get an advanced open water, which means you can dive deeper. I believe it's 100 feet. And then I actually got two more certifications after that, which was a deep diver, which means I could go to 120 feet and I uh, get deep diver and underwater navigation. Mm-hmm. and navigation. So uh, they teach you all these different skill sets. And then eventually to get your rescue diver, you have to have all these certifications and then you go through rescue training, which is if anything were to go wrong underwater, above water, around the water, you know what to do, especially with scuba diving. There's certain things that are different than anything else. For instance, you're breathing in this mixture of nitrogen and oxygen through your tank. And so the nitrogen actually gets into your bloodstream. And so when you're surfacing, you have to make a 15 minute or sorry, a 15 foot three minute safety stop every every dive because you have to let the nitrogen nitrogen go out of your bloodstream. Because if you oh, wow. don't and, and you just surface right away, you'll get something called the bends, which it which can cause multiple things like an air embolism where or it can burst your lungs, you know. And essentially it will the nitrogen will expand, expand in your bloodstream. And it won't let the blood flow through because it essentially blocks it. And so there's certain certain things that are different in any other situation that I wanted to kind of learn all the ins and outs. If I'm going to go diving all the time, I've been on probably over 200 dives at this point. I want mm. to make sure I know everything there is to know about this. If anything were to go wrong with me, if anything were to go wrong with anyone around me, I want to be the one to know how I can get out of the situation.
0: Mm. So
1: that was kind of my my main reason for doing it and. If it saves one life one day, then it's worth
0: it. Wow. So was there an incident where you use your rescue diving skills to help someone? And what lessons you can tell the listeners about their mistakes and what to avoid?
1: Yeah, there was actually a, one deep dive we did um, off of Mission Beach in San Diego. We were doing a wreck dive and uh, we, me and, and my good friend, Billy, were diving together and this old old guy probably about 8 years old jumps in the water without inflating his BCD and you have much of, before you jump in the water if you guys don't know you have to inflate your BCD so when you jump in you actually float at first you don't just go dive straight mm-hmm.
0: in, and the BCD in.
1: a BCD goes over your your wetsuit and it can mm-hmm. fill up with air and it can deflate with air so you can control your buoyancy Got so control and so uh, before you jump in, you need to inflate that because you have weights. Weights are either a weight belt or an integrated weight system, so you can actually go under. Because your wetsuit and your BCD are so buoyant in the water, you need weights to get under, especially in salt water. And so this guy jumps in without inflating his BC, and he just starts to sink. And th- this oh, is a deep yes. dive. And so I see that, so I start going down as fast as I can right away. But there's certain things. You don't want to go down too fast. You need to equalize because the pressure will build up in your ears. And so when you equalize it, it deactivates that pressure. Or else you can oh, get wow. something called the squeeze, which is basically a huge headache because all the air gets in your head and it can't get out. And so uh, he sinks all the way down. So I tried to go down right away um, and get and get to him. But he's he's down there. There's probably about 15-foot visibility. So I lost him. I'm looking for where he went. I'm like, uh-oh, this is not good he just sunk down that faster there's gonna be some issues and so we get down there and i see him crawling on the side of the wreck and i'm just like oh man this is probably bad so went and, and got him and and ended up inflating his bc for him and you talking sign language uh and mm-hmm. when scuba diving so i was like are you okay are you good i started using sign language with him and mm-hmm. uh he was freaking out still so i went up with him and uh surfaced and he was ended up being okay, thankfully. But there's a lot of little things that you need to know when you're scuba diving. And I mean, I would say if, if you know what you're doing, it it's one of the safest things you can do. It, it's hard to do something where you can get hurt. But there's always little things that can happen like that. And mm-hmm. thankfully, he was he was okay. Uh, but they didn't mm-hmm. let him dive on the, on the next dive because he he wasn't advanced enough to really be doing that dive. It was an advanced dive, and uh yeah, I'm, I'm just thankful that I have all the knowledge that I do about it now and that wow, I can yeah. remain calm under those situations and not panic. And so, for instance, one of the tests you have to do when you're getting certified is <laughs> you have to go in the ocean, it's around 60 feet, and you have to switch your BC, your fins, and your um, rest regulator. You have to switch it with another person. And and so you you switch the regulator with another person underwater that deep, and you're only on one regulator. So you're sharing breath back and forth. Oh, wow. And and that really teaches you to remain calm under any situation.
0: So was that your first time rescuing someone?
1: Um, Yeah, that was the first time I used it. But I think it's such a good mm-hmm. skill set to have for any
0: situation. Yeah, for sure. That's how awesome that you. Mm-hmm. much save someone's life. Mm -hmm. And in terms of just diving in general, what would be your recommendations of just if a land dweller like me do you recommend everyone should get an open water diving certificate?
1: I think so. I think I think it will really change your perspective on a lot of things. Um even for the open water, they teach you to remain calm under any situation. So not only will you get certified to scuba diving, be able to encounter all these amazing sea creatures in this amazing blue water and this, this peaceful feeling that will change your life. But it will also give you an aspect of being able to remain calm in any situation when you're out of the water. So for instance, if you're negotiating with someone and and the offer is too high and they're like, well, I don't, I don't know if uh, I could do that. I mean, your, your heart rate's not like, oh, okay, okay, I'll go. You know, you're able to remain calm in the other situations, you know, or in any, any situation. You're, you're, and you can't think if you're panicked, you know, you're just like, you're in a state of fight or flight rather than a state of actually thinking, what is the best thing I can do in this situation? So I think you can really help in all aspects of life.
0: Wow, that's such a great tip of just being absolutely outside your comfort zone and being comfortable in that. And then applying it to a business role where you're negotiating probably a million dollar deal. Wow. And diving, where is the most memorable place you dove? So it doesn't have to be the most beautiful, but just like the one you tend to think of the most.
1: So there's two two spots that are definitely the most memorable for me so far. And that, that would be in, um, the bahamas off mm. of paradise islands in the bahama and Nassau bahamas there is a shark dive that you've you probably actually seen on shark week if you watch it and that's with great Caribbean reef sharks mm. and that's the dive that i did where there are probably 30 to 50 sharks that they feed right in front of you and that was pretty incredible to encounter those guys and, and get a whole new perspective on sharks i kind of touched on that a little bit earlier and mm-hmm. then the other one is off the big island of hawaii off of kona the kona side mm-hmm. and they have manta rays and these manta oh, wow. rays are huge i mean i i don't think in manta rays they might be six eight feet maybe there are some that are about 18 foot wingspan
0: jeez and wow.
1: humongous and those were by far the biggest ones i've dealt with and there's probably 15 to 20 of them hanging around. There's so many of them in this water at night it's at night, and they just glow up the water with these uh, surfboards, like these foam boards. And mm-hmm. they come up and eat the plankton and they're in arms reach of you. And it's pretty incredible because these things are huge. And you're kind of like, shoot, should I be in the water with these guys? These guys could probably swallow me whole. But mm-hmm. they, they eat little plankton. Um, but it was one of the most incredible dives I've been on.
0: Crazy to see something that big that close to you wow that's so cool and would those two uh incidents those memories have been possible had you not had that diving certificate
1: uh no you you need to be certified in order to dive mm-hmm.
0: and this is why you recommend people to just get that diving certificate to explore oh, that yeah. unknown world
1: and then anywhere you travel it's an it's an extra thing that you have. So you get to explore mm-hmm. the culture. You can do all these amazing things, go out to eat, do all the other stuff you wanted to do. And then you can also explore the actual ocean around that as well. And most mm-hmm. of the places that we travel, there's, it's, it's a tropical place. And so there's always amazing dives
0: to go do. Wow. That's so cool. And you mentioned the manta rays and sharks, but did you have another memorable animal? that you've just never seen before, but it just stuck out or perhaps just speared it and ate it and it tasted good? Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah, we dove in um, Dominican Republic not too long ago mm. and we went spearfishing for the first time and uh, we fished these lionfish because these lionfish are actually wrecking the reefs because they're not indigenous mm-hmm. to the certain area, and so we actually go in and we're saving the reefs by killing these guys, and that that was a blast. Wow. Um, first time I ever went spear fishing, beautiful water. They're venomous though, so you got to be careful not to touch them. But it mm-hmm. it that was a blast. That was one of my favorites as well.
0: And there's a video of him spear fishing some lionfish, which garnered 4.1 million views on TikTok. Yep. So you should definitely check it out when you have the chance.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Go <laughs> so like and follow.
0: At Where can we follow you?
1: Uh, yeah, my username on TikTok is Riley Logsdon. R I L E Y L O G S D O N. And you can find me on Instagram, life of Riley L.
0: Awesome. And let's talk about Alpine and San Diego, where you were born and raised and just lived here for your 22 years of life. How has growing up in Alpine impacted you and shaped you into the person you are today?
1: Yeah, Alpine's, uh it's a small town, East County, San Diego. And I grew up there since I was two years old. And okay. it's, it's an awesome town. It's a um, small town, a bunch of ranches, horses, and, I mean, that it's a lot different than, than city life, you know. And so, um, it, when I went to college, it, it was a lot different. And I kind of had to adapt and kind of learn the differences from growing up with
0: so Can much space. And, life in Alpine and then life at college.
1: Yeah, yeah. So life in Alpine, um, there's not too much to do so you find fun stuff to do Um, Mm -hmm. lots of acres and and no internet so you have to find (laughs) stuff stuff fun to do on the land that you have and so uh
0: what was your most memorable experience at alpine just like thinking back to high school or middle school just the crazy antics you would do just to have some fun
1: yeah so there's a lot of lakes around there we would uh try to find crawdads um and and get those guys set traps with hot dogs in them then we would uh we would go fishing every once in a while we would go on hikes all the time just exploring um uh, pretty pretty much anything you could think of we would get uh, our BB guns and and set up cans that are pressurized and shoot them and watch them blow up just mm. stupid stuff when, when you're bored you're trying to just find stuff to do and I mean there's not that much to do honestly with with no internet nowadays um mm. which is good and bad both good and bad I mean you're not distracted by all this stuff mm-hmm. and uh you get creative so that's a lot of fun and then when I moved to Point Loma it was a lot different because well, first of all we had internet so there's a lot more <laughs> that's kind of where i found social media and, and i started seeing the power of that which is how i actually got into starting a marketing agency mm. uh, but but yeah there's it's a lot different And then there's netflix there's, there's all these different things that are different within the city and then there's a lot more social life where an alpine i would rarely hang out with, with too many people, and then I moved to Point Loma, and I have twenty people wanting to hang out a day, you know. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, shoot, I don't have time to to do all my homework to hang out with these people, do all this, and so there's really a switch of saying I need to actually balance my time and manage my time better, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. and that, that was definitely a difficulty.
0: So time management is definitely an obstacle for all of us. But what are some ways that you've managed? your time, especially during those college years.
1: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of discipline that comes with it. My freshman year, it was extremely hard because we lived in a hall with something like 60 people. Yeah. And, um, everybody's always wanting to hang out and I had FOMO pretty big. So I would hang out with half of the people that were hanging out while the other half did their homework. And while the other half did their homework, I would hang out with the people that already got their homework done, <laughs> which means I would get back to like two, three o'clock, and then I would have to figure out how to get the homework done for my class that started at seven. And Jeez. so, uh, yeah, that, that was a rude awakening for me that I need to figure something out when I uh, got my grades back from the first semester of college. Mm. And then, uh, here come comes sophomore year, I started to figure out more how to balance my time and how to be more disciplined with with what I have to get done and, and what things I need to sacrifice. And so that's when I really made fitness, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and learning about social media, my priorities after school. And I, I really wasn't that social compared to freshman year when I was 100% social. And then I became a lot more um, just disciplined on what, my priorities were. And so I became a lot of social and I got a lot more done. But with that, I kind of lost the social aspect completely, which was another thing, which was I need to make time for those people as well. You know, so it's definitely Mm -hmm. amounts.
0: Yeah, for sure. So how did your time at Point Loma shape you into the person you are today? Because you're about six-ish months removed from college, but... Those four years are probably, I'm also speaking for myself, the most impactful for both of us in terms of just personal growth and development.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, in a lot of ways, I, I didn't get so much value from the actual learning aspect of what they're teaching mm-hmm. as much as a couple of things, as much as social skills. Ability to connect with a ton of people—that
0: um, mm. was probably one of the most valuable skills I learned. Um, to, so before coming to, to Point Loma, you had difficulties with connecting with people and socializing.
1: Um, yeah, I wasn't as good with socializing for sure. Definitely mm. taught me how to rapidly build rapport with people and connect with people, which has helped me a ton when I go to events with potential clients. I can Connect with them right away, build that rapport, and turn mm-hmm. them into a, a friend, you know, <clears throat> or even people who I'm not trying to get as a client, just turn them into a friend and they're in some industry that i'll never need. I can recommend them to somebody else, and then if they know anybody that needs a service that I offer, then they will rec- recommend me to them <clears throat> and so um, that was definitely the number one thing, and then also i I networked with a lot of professors there that were actually very successful business people that mentored me as far mm. as business business goes. And then Point Loma being a Christian university um, with campus outreach and Josh and Ellis, they mentored me into, I mean, the person I am today, you know. And so all my decisions aren't just business business business. It's really how is this in line with christianity and how is this how is this decision is going to impact me as a person not just like is it good for business you know and so it's mm-hmm. it's very a lot of business decisions you see aren't the most ethical things and there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on within business and so going to a school that really has a huge emphasis on on ethics and i mean we took classes on business ethics it's mm-hmm. and social responsibility. You know, it really opens your eyes to the type of business you want to run. Mm. So every decision, if it's if it's more expensive but it's the right decision, that's the decision you're going to make. It's not just mm. about money. It's about your responsibility as a business owner. And uh it's about how you're actually affecting the kingdom, you know? Mm. And, uh, I mean, that, that shaped me in, in huge ways. I mean, it's the, wow, the base yeah. of, of our business
0: model. Yeah. Yeah. So can you explain the vision of, for the top marketers?
1: Yeah. So started the top marketers um, back in May. And we... May 2019, 2019 by the way. <laughs> yeah, May 2019. And we are a social media marketing agency. And we offer lots of services. And the whole vision behind it is how do I go into companies and how do I make them just explode, brand the heck out of them and get them an ROI on their income. A lot of marketing companies nowadays, I hate to say it, but they they won't get the best results. You know, they try to be all cutesy and and people, that's why so many businesses see marketing as a risk rather than an investment. And it, it... I mean, it's an investment that should have an ROI most of the time, um, especially if you're doing direct response marketing versus a branding campaign. And so Mm -hmm. our whole goal behind it is to go into companies that we believe can change the world and we help them get there. Wow. get there faster. We help them become the biggest company in the industry because of what they're doing. Because we really resonate with their vision of the company and we want to help them become the top of their industry because we know that's the impact that will have an impact on the world and if we can mm. have a little piece of that impact that's, that's happening on the world that's amazing if i can help all these companies that have this this vision to change the world for the better and it's in line with with my ethics then i'm gonna put all my time and effort to make sure that they do perform because mm. that's that's how i make an impact on the world
0: wow that is awesome and. Even though this company is less than a year old, did you have to turn away from some companies because your values didn't align?
1: Um, there were certain companies, not that we turned away from, per se, but when we're selling them, I, I'm not really... But when we try to sell somebody on, on doing marketing for them, we really dive into their company and we see if we could help them. And we want to know everything about the company. And some companies that we... Talking to I just we really don't want to work with them, and so it's not that we turned them down really, but we really didn't sell them on it or or we just told them flat out sorry we, we can't help you maybe you should use this company and recommend them to somebody else because we only want to work with companies that that have an ability to, to change the world or have a vision to change the world or change it doesn't have to be the world that change their local community for the better, you know? And mm-hmm. so we we want to work with those companies and we also want to work with companies that want to work with us. And so mm-hmm. there's been a lot that we've turned down. Um, haven't run into anybody yet though that has been that has seemed unethical or has seemed like they're so against our values that we have to turn
0: them down. But I'm sure we will in the future. Okay, yeah and let's just wrap things up with one final question Mm -hmm. what is one experience you would recommend our listeners take to absolutely get outside their comfort zone and just grow
1: i would say there's not one that's universal for everybody i would say that it's really it has that certain person so i would write down things that you fear and I would pick one of the top and do it. Get out of your comfort zone. For instance, if you're uh, terrified of waves, then you should go surfing. As terrifying as that is, I think that experience will open up so many doors for you, and it will really change your perspective on a lot of things. Um, if you're terrified of heights, go skydiving. You know. And so <laughs> it I really it really depends on that person what their certain fears are and how how do they get over those? Mm-hmm. Go straight into it and do it. And you're going to realize most of the time that that fear wasn't an irrational fear that was really holding you back. If your fear is talking to people, then go out in public and well, I guess not right now with COVID, but but go out <laughs> in public and uh, you have to talk. You have to have conversations with ten strangers. Mm. Or you can go home, you know? And that will really put yourself out of that comfort zone and you will really get into a state of, I have nothing to fear. And then you look at new experiences as not like, not with a a fearful mentality, but you look at it as an opportunity to grow.
0: Wow. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming on to this podcast, Riley. Really appreciated you here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast.
0: Yeah. And can we just say again all the things you want to plug in, like your social media accounts at the Top Marketers?
1: Yeah. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it is uh, Life of Riley L. Life of Riley L. If you want to follow me on TikTok, it's Riley Logs And if you want to work with us, you can um, find us at the top marketers or thetopmarketers.com.
0: Yeah, all of these links should be provided in the description below. Thank you so much again. Thank you all of you listeners for joining in this conversation with us. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you.